Hello and welcome to Chats, the television podcast, season 15, Chats 8. Each week, we watch and discuss two episodes of the Netflix original series, Sense8. My name is Alan, and I'm joined by the man who fits comfortably in a three-person hot tub with me. It's Magellan. And the third person, Rick Moranis. <laughs> you know, people used to say I look like a young Rick Moranis. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I, I can see. You got you need bigger glasses. I and need glasses. glasses. Yeah, you don't wear glasses <laughs> anymore, so it doesn't quite work. Also, hair. I also got Harold Ramis, which is funny. People just like the Ghostbusters. Yeah, an old coworker. Yeah. That's what it was. An old coworker of mine specifically said I look like either if young Harold Ramis, but if he was fatter, or old Harold Ramis if he was just younger. <laughs> Does that Jesus, it's just <laughs> brutal. Yeah, that coworker got fucking Damn. fired Damn. So. by you. Yeah, by me. I did it. It's I mean, nice that everybody gets one fire of another coworker. <laughs> it's, the, it's like the purge, <laughs> but only for work. Yeah. Once a oh, day, boy. every year, we can fire whoever we feel like. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm looking at you, Jan, from accounting. I've been watching The Office with my roommate lately. And... <laughs> there is a Jan in that show. Exactly. That was such a cute laugh, by the way. What was that laugh you just did? <laughs> just me thinking like... about The Office. <laughs> it's fine. I don't have anything yeah, productive it's... to say about The Office. Yeah, that's why we're watching Sense8 instead. Exactly. And I saw a Reddit thread uh, this week that was like, what is something that annoys you about podcasts? And someone was like, too much banter up top. So we're going to talk about whatever the fuck we want for the next 30 to 35 <laughs> minutes. I and like I just... banter, you know. Some people prefer nice. like banter. They want banter at the top. I don't know like how to please everyone. You can't please everyone. Just do what the hell you want. No, you can't please anyone. Was that one of the top? This is a Reddit thread? Yeah, it was one of the top comments. Ah, sheesh. Ah. It was on our but podcasting, though, so, like... Isn't a Reddit thread... Isn't a Reddit thread just textual banter? Wow. No, it's a shouting contest. Ah, what else is new? That was me doing... I'm, that was my stand-up. Yeah, so I was at the doctor's recently. Yeah, second top comment 14 hours ago. Crappy audio. Banter that has nothing to do with the topic. I could go on. Uh-huh. Crappy audio is legit. Sorry. Don't please do not look at Scape Chats episodes one <laughs> through nine. No, 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 don't. Don't not. look at those. Don't. Uh the major thing drives me nuts. I'm constantly having to start podcasts three to ten minutes into the episode. Looking at the clock. Uh uh. Oh, this is why I gave up on the fake Doctor's Real Friends podcast. Buddy, that's the whole show. I'm sorry to break out. Yeah, they're to you. they're a whole different can of worms. Like they they only banter. Yeah. Banter with occasional scrubs talk, not yeah. scrubs talk with occasional banter. All right, we're, we're we're giving you a sense of our dynamic, who we are, how we relate, yeah. what we care about, what we don't care about. We make stupid it's, jokes. It's, Someone was like, "Oh, I hate it when people make like inside jokes on their podcasts." It's like no one thinks you're as funny as you guys do. It's like, listen up, buddy. When we do that funny big giant voice and go, "Oh, stupid," that's fucking <laughs> funny to everyone. All right, so take that random Reddit comment who I'm not going to look up anymore, and we're going to move right past. Yeah. I want to talk about Sense8. That's the banner I want to have right now with you okay. for about 35 minutes per half. Okay, that sounds perfect. Okay, great. Great. This week on Chats8, we watched Sense8 Season 2, Episode 2, Who Am I? As well as Season 2, Episode 3, Obligate Mutualisms. Who Am I was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski, as well as J. Michael Straczynski. It was directed by Lana Wachowski, solo style, and it aired along with the rest of season two on May 5th, 2017. Magellan, what happened in Who Am I? 
in this episode of Sense8. Will and Whispers, each race to... What if their name were Wiss and Wilpers? Wim and Wilpers. Wim. Wim. Wiss. Wimpers and Wimpers. 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 Will and Wimpers. Will and Whispers, each race to piece together the other's location while Leto heads to his first movie premiere since the photos leaked. Alan, what do you think of Who Am I? Oh, this was exciting for me. So, as we all know, this is the first, like, or as I've mentioned on the podcast, uh, when I initially watched Sense8 back in the day, I stopped at the Christmas special. So, this was the first brand new episode of Sense8 for me. And I don't know, I had a really great time. I think that they are doing great things with Will. Um, I think it's goofy and silly. Uh, Sense8 continues to not to be uninterested in adding, like, meaningful conflict to its show. To the point where at the end of this episode, people literally go to each other, was that it? Is that just taken care of? Okay, great. And I respect it. You know, I love the hustle. I love the tone and the, uh, just like the, the feeling of this season. It's, it's, it's been really positive and, and upbeat so far. So I, I had a really good time. What about you? Well, I'm a bits and bones gal. So I, uh. I ate I really the bits like and bones. <laughs> oh no! I was supposed to eat the bits, but not the bones. Oops. Um. Yeah, I like this one. I, I think this is an episode. I forgot that this was episode two of season two because at the end of this episode, I was thinking, "Wow, so weird to try to like find new ground and switch things up in the middle of the season." But this is the beginning of the season, so it actually makes perfect sense. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, it feels like, you know, we were talking about um, Christmas episode. What was that called? Happy fucking New Year. Happy fucking New Year. We were talking about happy fucking New Year last week and how it felt like we were in this place where we were trying to make things feel consequential without actually having there be consequences because it was this sort of standalone like, hey, remember Sense8? Ah, it's a special, but uh, you don't have to have seen anything and you don't have to see anything else kind of a space. And so in this episode, we finally get to resolve some of the things set up from season one, uh, clear the table and set up some new questions or, or new directions to go in. And, you know, I I liked it. I think some of it is a little uh, not it's a little clunky. In certain parts, like a oh, lot yeah. of this, like anthropology stuff, I With have me. mixed feelings about. But mm-hmm. I mean, it's Sensei is a good time at the movies. What can I say? That's exactly the the feeling. Yeah, I um, I, I will say the season feels a little bit darker. It's like darkly comedic in a way that the first one like hinted at, but wasn't really leaning into as hard. Um, this one's like a little bit grit and darker. And uh, part of that is like kind of it's a fun kind of contrast for me because between this week and last, uh, I watched the thirty minute Sensate making of documentary on Netflix. Uh, I think it's literally called the Making of Sensate. You can look it up very easily. Um, and I wanted to talk about it very very briefly because it's kind of fun and it informed like what I was thinking going into season two because uh, it was it was filmed and released between seasons one and two. It has nothing to do with the new season. Um, so you're free to watch it if you're watching along with us. It's got no spoilers. Hmm. I don't um, know this was a thing. I, I, I want to watch it before next week, I think. 
Yeah, it's it goes by super fast. It's mostly like uh-huh. we had a lot of fun filming together, but like some interesting things I learned. Um, we're gonna talk about the cinematography and like how elegant the cuts are in the show, as we usually do. Uh, and what I learned was the majority of those are actually cowboy switches. So like, wow. In yeah. So for those who wow. don't know the term, cowboy switch is basically a uh, like TV cinematography technique, traditionally used in TV, but also in film. Um, that used to be used especially in cowboy films. That's where the term comes from. Where an actor can be replaced by a stunt actor within the camera shot. So like instead of mm-hmm. cutting or instead of editing, they would, for example, jump behind something and then the stunt actor would jump out of it. Right. Uh, and <clears throat> that is how they handled almost all of the sensate transitions. Where really? like the one that they show is the scene where uh, Wolfgang and Leto are dealing with um, the guy, the bald guy who like Wolfgang blows up with a rocket yeah. launcher. Uh-huh. And you literally see like Max Rimmel, aka Wolfgang, like get up and then Lito Rodriguez's actor, whose name I can't remember, like lays down on the ground and then we cut the camera pans down to him. Like it's wild. And they wow. did that a lot. Super duper impressive. Like to and huh. to think that that's that's seamless. Like it looks so perfect. And the answer is the reason is it is. Um huh. it blew my mind. It's not just like we filmed on location and that was really fun for us. It's like, no, they they really committed. And other things like Filming on location means that they actually filmed around certain events. So, like, uh, Nomi falling off the bike at SF Pride, they filmed that during actual SF Pride. They didn't have to get extras for that. Mm. Uh, Riley being a DJ in the first episode was done in between sets of a real DJ show. Uh, wow. K- kind of fun. And then uh, I believe the, like, Kala Ganesha scene was done during an actual festival as well, like the flashback from huh. childhood. So using the resources you have, like if you're going to globe trot, you might as well do it at times that yeah. like work for, you know, convenient for the story. Um, so all that stuff feels like it's leveled up in this season. Like they've gotten a little bit better. at this yeah. thing. Um, I think the show looks and, and feels better than ever. Um, if I have any like mild, mild complaints about a, the writing, it's that uh 2017 is a really interesting time to be queer in america for many reasons you know trump is has been elected we're in we're in trump's america i don't think the show is i think the show must have like season two must have been done being written by by november of 2016 obviously um but it's like in the zeitgeist right like we're worried about the rise of fascism and uh you know anti-lgbt uh legislature right as we always are, but we're extra, extra worried about that. And so, like, it feels a little bit more... Like, Get Out is around this year, too, right? So it feels mm-hmm. a little bit more, like, woke in a way. Um, mm-hmm. I'm referring especially to, in this episode, like, the Caffius slash uh, Leto interview is very, yeah. like, we have heightened ideas. It's like somebody is critiquing what we en- something that we enjoyed about season one. Um, do you want to start by talking about that scene and what's going on there? Yeah, I think um I'll give I'll give the gist of it and then I'm curious to hear your opinion of it. So basically the beginning of this episode is some like Will Riley stuff, whispers, doing experiments. Oh my gosh, we'll talk about those those things and the kind of like lore that's going on in a bit. And then we get some stuff with Nomi and like we learn about the anthropology stuff and Homo sensorium, and we'll talk about that too. Yeah, and then we get um, Leto to the premiere of his movie, uh, which right before, by the way, there's this really cute scene where Danny and Leto are convincing Hernando to go, 
and Leto has like a mouthful of toothpaste as he's like giving <laughs> the the persuasion. It's it's pretty funny. And then we start cutting back and forth between Caffius driving the Van Damme bus and Leto in the limo going to the movie premiere. So you're like, okay, the music is telling me this is tense. These characters are connected. At the end of the previous scene, Hernando says, be careful what you wish for is the vibe that he's getting, which is another way of being like, I have a bad feeling about this. He might even mm-hmm. have said, I have a bad feeling about this. Um, so everything's telling you something is off. And then Lido's going down the red carpet and gets uh, harangued by an interviewer, uh, a journalist who is essentially trying to get him to speak about his sexuality and... Uh, is doing so in a very invasive way. And we're trying to get him to come out on camera. Right. Um, And we're cutting between that and a reporter in Nairobi talking to Caffius being like, well, essentially like Van Damme movies are like colonialist propaganda where the white guy saves everybody. Like, why are you glorifying this guy in these movies? And then we cut back and forth between Leto and Caffius giving the exact same speech about like being yourself and all this stuff. And I want to talk about that part before it turns into like an amazing music video. Um, What did, what, how did you feel about, about this, these parallel uh, speeches? It seems like you were put off by it. Uh, I was, especially by Zakia, the interviewer, who seems like she's going to be a character now that she's talking to Kafia's. Um, Zakia's, like, questioning of Kafia's really did feel like, okay, maybe people between seasons told us that we have to address the fact that, like, this African man is finding solace in, like, the comfort of a white savior narrative. Like, yeah, let's talk about it. And, like, really what it is is this woman who's portrayed as, like, kind of unfair like jella and caffius are like laughing at her like haha we like him because he's brave he's like that's don't make this about a thing like don't make this about politics or whatever but like we're in africa we're not like in like i don't know like a leftist group chat or whatever where we're debating the pot like the politics of media um and this these conversations are happening there but i was i was tr- having trouble getting a read on what the show thinks of all of this like does it truly believe that you know it's a valid argument that this is a white savior narrative and it's weird to like it or uh are we just kind of say that and be like anyways that's something somebody might think and might get mad at us for uh let's move on because like yeah. lana wakowski at the very least was like pretty online uh in 2015 2017 so i imagine there's a part of her that's like people are trying to be more woke let's address the people who have these kind of questions about our show Yeah, it feels like it's straddling this weird line where it's in the Leto plot saying why it's saying, why does my sexuality matter? Um, I'm I'm a person, you know, we're all people. We all are different in all of these infinite ways, which in and of itself is like kind of a weird stance for Leto to say, like, well, who cares? It's like not affirming of his sexuality, which it doesn't have to be, but like he's sort of saying like, ah, just don't even think about it. Um, and I feel like that scene would probably be written much differently in 2022 than it was in 2017. Yeah. And then 
the Caffius thing, it's not just politics because Caffius is like, well, why are we judging somebody by the color of his skin or something? And it's like, what? <laughs> Hold on. An African to another African being like, why are we racist? Like, what? <laughs> what? If, it, felt, it felt like the show was trying to defend itself or something. Like, yeah, maybe this exactly. was a critique of the Caffius plot. And the show's like, come on, what? Like, a guy in Africa can't, like... Van Damme movies? What's the problem? Why are you being so racist? Or whatever? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, huh? maybe you're maybe you're racist for thinking that. Actually, it's not a white. No, it's not white savior. You're a white savior. Yeah. Like, wait. Yeah. Relax. Just... All I said was it was weird. It's a little. It is a little <laughs> yeah. weird. Yeah, it's weird. It and it's weird that we keep doing it. Like that's all that Caffius is now. Is he's a guy that drives around in a bus and Van Damme's playing on the TV. And I feel like he hasn't done anything else for these last two episodes. Except for he has a girlfriend now, or maybe. Maybe. But yeah, it's just the the argumentation, the rhetoric of that part of the sequence was really weird to me and hard to parse. And I think was like kind of driving towards this really anodyne point of like, we're all people, people different, people be what they want to. Yeah. <laughs> It felt pretty cringy to me that after they say all of that, on both sides, they're like, huh? Yeah, high five. We nailed it. We were so smart. Uh-huh. It's like, all you really if said was like- a reporter to go to Caffius later and be like, God, you gave such a good speech earlier. Yeah, what the it's hell? so good. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. But I will say the way that it transitions into this like trippy abstract montage where it's like- who am I? Well, do you mean this? Do you mean that? And it's the different sensates voices and it's cutting to their different experiences. And I thought that was real separate from the context of the scene, which I think the setup was like kind of clunky. I thought that sequence was awesome. And like one of my top moments from the two episodes. I And I think it was an example of what we see across both episodes, which is like, they're really nailing the like sensate v- audiovisual experiences yeah and and doing more more music video e stuff where yeah, like sound and, and music are blending with imagery and camera work to like make something new and unique um it's really impressive stuff like i'm getting the sense already that sense season two is going to be a little bit more creative and weird and probably like the writing might suffer for that because they're prioritizing like directorial creativity but it doesn't have to i think i'm honestly like if this season ends up just being we are really good at beating up bad guys and getting in the heads of bad guys and our lives continue to be amazing. I'm like kind of fine with that. I don't need. Yeah, me too. Me too. Too much more than that. And we get a little bit more, a good amount more than the second episode. But for now, it's like, oh, this is just good. Like this show continued to be good. They figured out what worked and kept doing it. So, yeah, the 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 Lido. And also, I was going to just mention like the Lido half of that, where it differs for me is that the reporter is clearly trying to get him to admit something personal um right. and like <clears throat> and get him to say what is tr- what is true whereas zakia is like seemingly genuinely curious about how can you somebody who's like successfully saved this community and made people happy uh yeah. say that your main hero is a white man like how do you square that circle because she wants to know not because right. she wants to embarrass him and get him to say something stupid but like that's also why she becomes a character and the reporter doesn't is right. we're not supposed to we're not supposed to hate her line of questioning that much 
Right. So I, I, I think that's where I land like positively on this is it's not so much look at this annoying woman getting mad at Caffius. It's like, hey, this is, you know, this is a question somebody probably asked and we're going to try yeah. to talk about it. It's just like a little clunky. Mm-hmm. The clunk. What did you think of the Caffius scene with with the reporter later? Uh, when they're in like and the lunch relationship. place. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I like Caffius having an equal um, who is like a woman also. Um, there haven't been yeah. a ton of like interesting women characters in Caffius's plot yet. Uh, I think that's a valid critique is that like his storyline has been pretty masculine in a way, even though it's like obviously had to do with son in a, in a lot of it. Uh, we'll see, you know, the reporter lady archetype. Let's see how that, tra- how that translates to Caffius's plot. But I think that they're right now they're on like a good intellectual equal stand, equal footing and they're going to have mm-hmm. some fun scenes together. I hope yeah. it doesn't just go too far into like, they're young and hot and they're going to have sex with each other. Like, <laughs> Yeah. I like the way that she's, you know, the thing that has been true of Caffius this whole time is that he's really enamored with seeing the world through the eyes of the other sensates. And so it's like a great foil to him to meet this person who's so well-traveled, but also much more cynical than he is. I think the thing that I was sort of like, hmm, about is, yeah, it feels like we're kind of, because of the recast, we're shifting the vibe of Caffius a little bit away from, yeah. he's like our fun friend who always has like a surprising nugget of wisdom to, he's a leading man. So he's got like a love interest and that's like a little more boring to me. Mm-hmm. Um but we'll see. I, I I didn't hate it, but uh we don't get very much of Caffius in the second episode we watched this week, so yeah. we'll have to sort of put that on pause, I guess, until we get back to him. Do you want to briefly touch on the Riley not Riley, do you want to talk about the Nomi uh lecture that she attends and what's going on with yeah. that? Yeah, so we learned some lore. Uh there's kind of like two strands of lore that we're starting to develop in season two. One strand of it is the BPO kind of uh, conspiracy stuff that Will is following. And then there's this anthropological, like deeper history of sensates that Nomi is investigating. And what we essentially learn is that there's this kind of uh, less respected subset of the anthropology community who believes that there was this other race or species of um, hominids, if that's the word, uh, called homo sensorium. And those are basically like the sensates, people who have like uh, psychic telepathy type stuff. And um, that becomes like a thing that a lot of characters talk about. We learn that that's part of the basis of BPO is that they were at first made to try to find a balance in harmony between homo sapiens and homo sensorium. And um, I think it's this one where Nomi and Neitz go to the lecture where the guy talks about how uh, homo sapiens evolved out of homo sensorium. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And he says like, the evolutionary advantageous reason to evolve out of having like telepathy is that now you're able to lie 
which is a cool concept. And I like what I like about it is I feel like so often stories that have like, you know, like X-Men or something where there's a mutant or whatever, it tends to be something that humanity is evolving into or changing into or like this is beginning to emerge. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Sensate, they're saying the Sensates are actually like this kind of most natural, like kind of original form of humanity that we have strayed away from and it has like been worse for us. And I think that that switch is a really deft storytelling choice that I think communicates the themes of Sensei a whole lot better than what might be the typical way to approach this sort of a story. What did, what did I, you think about all the anthropology stuff and like the random characters you meet along the way there? Uh, a lot the, of that concept. A lot of it kind of rolled over my head because it's very jargony. Uh, and a lot of it, it's like, here's what happens in this scene. Nomi and Amanita sit in a lecture in a college lecture and watch a guy talk for five minutes. And it's like, why am I watching this? I, I guess it's, it is relevant to what we're doing. Uh, but what is it going to advance about us other than like, yeah, it, it, it reframes the origin of, of being a sensate as not like something to work towards, not a future state, but a past state that we could return to. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's a fun wrinkle in like the definition of a sensate, but mm-hmm. uh, like this guy, this this professor, I, I I there was like a brief moment where I felt like I was in an actual college lecture, you know, say what you will <laughs> about the scene, but I was like, oh yeah, do I want to like take notes on this? Like, what am I, I? I already do a lot of thinking and reading about the self, and I think it's interesting that the show is like giving an academic perspective on it. But I'm also not an anthropologist, and I don't know enough about anthropology to vouch for like how legit this line of thinking is or whether that matters. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it is true that it doesn't feel like particularly urgently relevant to everything else. Like to me as a viewer, I'm much more interested in the stuff that we get in the second episode when we talk to Jonas and he's telling us about like the direct lineage of this group of characters as opposed to like, the like more theoretical origins or the kind of like broader anthropological origins of sensates as a species. It's like, why do I care about this? It's interesting. Uh, It'd be cool to read like on a Wikipedia page or something, but it feels like we're just kind of hanging out with Nomi while she investigates something she's curious about instead of it being like, super story relevant at least right now i mean that might change you know in the next few episodes i don't know i hope so i, I i'm curious like how these things evolve but what, what yeah. it's 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 great groundwork like let's talk more about what being a sensate actually is yeah and and what like because then that puts us like it gives us the question of where do, what do our villains believe in what do they want they want us to return to that because clearly whispers and right. his boss want like they find value in it and they're researching it but they don't necessarily consider it like the end all be all of humanity at least i don't think right right now it's kind of a tool that they use um so mm-hmm. i'm curious i'm very curious but that's my big word this week yeah um go ahead oh i was just gonna say uh do you want to talk about the will riley whispers stuff in this one ah, that's exactly what i want to talk about that's our last big tent pole um this is wild yeah. this was the biggest like whoa we're doing this now on sensei okay 
Uh-huh. I'm into this. Um, so I can break it down. Basically, Will uh, and Riley are still in their secret church-like bunker uh, or hiding spot. And uh, Will and Whispers are kind of playing a cat and mouse, a uh, a Sherlock Moriarty sort of game. You mentioned it, the Sherlockification of Will Gorski in your notes. <laughs> yeah, he keep, he keeps doing these like pro detective like, well, your your wedding ring, uh, tan that the power outlet is from England. It's like okay, your boss's letterhead says this 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 this. If no me Google, like it all actually makes log- logical sense that like. Him noticing this because he's perceptive, and then Nomi being able to Google it could realistically triangulate uh-huh. a person, or at least get you the name of the person. Yeah, it's just funny that like the like the Sherlockification of Will Gorski is propaganda. In this yeah. essay, I will like that. Yes. That's my you know that's my tagline is uh, not to be a dick, but if you were to just grab like a chicago police officer i don't think they would have this level of like deductive reasoning because that's not quite what the job is like it's different from being a detective you know yeah exactly and i would have thought that like like the the show is realizing oh let's take will out of being a cop to get rid of his you know i always say this on chats the reason they make people cops in tv is because it lets them have a gun in public and like it lets them investigate things and have like structure Mm -hmm. around that and mm-hmm. like they took all that away from Will, and they're just still doing it. He just doesn't have a gun and doesn't have the support network of the police, like he did in season one. Right, and they're using the fact that he was a cop to justify why he would have these abilities to like reason through yeah. things. And there are times where like, oh, the you know, just his sense about like what does it take to run a manhunt or some of the stuff in the second episode. That makes sense with his background, but he's just like observant to a degree where it's just kind of funny to me that they're using this background detail of he was a Chicago police officer to feel like that's a justified amount of observe, observe, like whatever, observe, observation. Well, yeah, I don't know I what the I'll, word is, but I you know what I'm the saying. word is, ob- yeah, I do know what you're saying. Absolutely. Uh, and it's it's it all it all leads to Will being our our ace in the hole against Whispers, um, because he realizes certain details about him. He realizes he has a wife and he lives in a place of horses and a big field because he's a spooky rich guy. Um, just like collecting details to the point where uh, we end on this like incredible incredible scene where all the sensates are kind of helping Will and witnessing Will dig into uh, Whispers' bo- visit to his boss's office. And going, oh, we actually know who your boss is now. Fantastic. Uh, and just like watching the actor who plays Whispers go from this menacing premise pre- uh, presence that we saw in the first episode to like a sad and meek little henchman. And like just witnessing that happen was like so exciting. And, you know, the episode ends with Will being like, you think you're hunting us? Well, you better think twice. He doesn't literally say we're hunting you, but he basically says that. And it's just, it's really, it's it's very galvanizing for the show that like, okay, we know what our powers do and we know what the bad guy can do. So we're just going to flip the script on him. You know, we're not weak. We're not scared. And I like that a lot. You don't see a lot of shows deal with that, especially in their second season. It's usually, oh no, he whispers is getting stronger. Now he can do this and that and the other thing. It's like, actually, yeah. we're we're pretty cool. Yeah. 
Yeah, I feel like shows sometimes are like afraid to put the villains in jeopardy like that or make them fail that decisively. But to me, it kind of creates this feeling of, yeah, oh, wait, if we can beat Whispers like that, he can beat us like that, too. Like that moment where he gets it wrong, but the moment in the middle of the episode where Will breaks down exactly where he is and then Whisper says, well, we know where you are and let me like scare you in the same way and show you all the things that we've observed. Um, I think that's a moment that's meant to indicate to us, hey, we're going to get a temporary win, but the war is not over. Our opponent in this is pretty scary and like can be just as dangerous as we are being right now. Um, it's a pretty cool, pretty cool dynamic. Very uh and and unique like i said so yeah uh definitely want to see more of that um there's some stray stuff that happens in this episode sort of like set up for other things um, yeah we kind of hit all the big stuff uh but uh rajan's father uh got a job with the prime minister and oh, didn't yeah. tell anybody about it <laughs> so random okay we'll see where that goes it's gonna go somewhere i know yeah that there, there's something in here about like the patriarchal figure getting to like make these decisions in the way that Kala's right. or uh, Rajan's mom is like, uh, yeah, whatever your dad says is right, I guess. And she's clearly not comfortable with it. Like that'll go right. badly. Right. Uh, and the moment in Will's plot where Riley walks out and they're like, this is the best part of all of it, by the way, I forgot to mention this. Um, so the way that they trick uh, whispers specifically is he's like, Oh, you guys are so stupid. You're obviously in Iceland. She gave you uh, Icelandic yogurt. I know those seagulls. Those are Iceland seagulls. You're at this yeah. church at this part of Iceland. Idiots. You're about to hear and, helicopters. Here we come. And you don't. And you're like, wait. And then she, Riley injects it with heroin to kind of shut it off because he doesn't have blockers yet. And uh, goes over and she has an iPod playing the seagull sounds and she walks out of there in fucking Amsterdam. <laughs> that's so good. And yeah, her dad is just awesome. outside, basically. Yeah, she's just goes playing to visit secret her agent man on a ukulele, which is fun. I I wrote big Magellan vibes here. <laughs> Thank you, I'm honored. It, it felt it felt yeah, you honor me. It felt like a big Magellan, a big <laughs> Magellan moment. Yeah, I like that he was like, ah, oh, it's so good to see you, and here in Amsterdam, puff a big puff, <laughs> puff, puff a big puff of the smoky. Yeah, we get it. We get it, Riley Stad. I understand. Yeah. Um. And then, yeah, there's some more stuff with Will and Sarah Petrell. Nomi visits Sarah Petrell's mother. Uh, oh, yeah. We learn crap that I don't care about. Will's dad was assigned to the case, but his son uh -huh. kept seeing the daughter, and they were worried about that. And when he became a cop, he visited the mom years later and was like, I'm still working on your case. And uh -huh. uh, the the line from that, just to kind of like make turn this into stray notes, the line from that that I really loved was the mom says to Nomi, uh, lives, even as short as hers, can live on in all sorts of unexpected ways. Which is a really beautiful way to think mm. about, like, your daughter's death is, like, mm. she's gone physically, but she's still affecting Will decades later. And right. she's in our community. She's in our hearts and minds. I held her hand after she had passed, like, through, through uh, you know, the spirituality. And even though my husband doesn't believe in all this stuff, I still, uh, like, kid, young Will says it's a memory, not a ghost, which is, like, mm. a pretty cool way of thinking about this. Um, and we learned that Mrs. Petrell knew Angelica and Whispers because obviously Whispers is the reason her daughter is dead. So like mm. all of that's it's just wrapped all up together. What were some other scenes or moments that you wanted to bring up? Let's see. So when we do get to the movie premiere 
the lighting is beautiful by the way um what a really shot by people who just adore the movies which is nice to see and um there are a couple details in the scene that i thought were good storytelling moments one of them is when leto's character in the movie is talking to the female lead there's this shot where you see that actress sitting behind hernando and both of them are mouthing her lines at the same time which is a fun follow-up to what we learned previously that hernando runs lines with leto and then um the kind of big story moment that happens here that sets up where leto's plot starts to go in the next episode is when his character kisses the female lead the audience laughs um yeah and so that's making us think about you know is his career as an action movie star in jeopardy or does it have to shift or what's next um and the second episode kind of starts to poke at that but not not in really deep ways um so we'll see but that happens uh, we'll talk more about this in the second episode, but I almost wish that Leto's plot was being written in 2022 because, like, the truth of the matter is uh, being gay in Hollywood is a different beast than it once was. You're not necessarily blackballed, but the version of blackballing that you ch- usually get nowadays is your typecast. You are the gay actor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, we have so many of those. And once you do that, once you formally come out, it's like, okay, we have to. That's the only way we can be respectful is we can't give you straight people roles anymore. And so, like, that should be what Leto's plot is going to be about. But I don't know if this 2017 episode is going to, like, be there with that um, or, like, uh-huh. how, how forward-thinking they were with, like, how it's handled. But um, I have faith that they'll do something with it at least, yeah, because they're, they're clearly, like, acknowledging uh-huh. it with all the talk of, like, who knows what's the point of people knowing and like, is that going to be disastrous or whatever? Yeah. We'll see where it goes. I'm, I'm curious and optimistic as well. There's also some more Berlin kingdoms stuff in Wolfgang's <laughs> plot. This guy gives There's like, like club. a, I, I, I can't believe they didn't bring back the other guy from the last season who was, or from the Christmas, the special, Christmas special who was like an incredible incredible character actor hopefully he still exists in this world and we'll see him again but they introduce a new guy who's like the king of the north of (laughs) (laughs) of berlin or whatever um and since i've been watching game of thrones i couldn't help but think king in the north the king King in the the north um but it's like who cares the guy is like felix you like the club you can have it okay well we meet him more in the next episode so will be there talking about that his plot feels like it's enabling his lady partner not actually doing anything meaningful the money yeah we'll and we'll talk about her in the next episode yeah we will did you notice danielle's beautiful pink all pink apartment in this episode by the way no Uh, i I don't think i did when they're getting dressed and leto has like the toothpaste or whatever i don't think that's leto's apartment um right locked out of his apartment yeah or all his stuff got taken uh, okay that makes sense what made me laugh was again the the like i don't know what person on the crew to laugh at for this but uh she's getting dressed in heels which like <laughs> it, every single person i know who's ever worn heels is like you put them on last why would you ever put them on when you're getting dressed they are the worst i'm like it's because it's really hot i get it guys i'm with you there whatever that's my that's yeah, my comment it's silly mm-hmm. uh did you catch when 
Caffius is watching the Van Damme movie while driving the Van Damme. The punching in the movie is in sync to the people on the bus swaying back and forth. Yeah, that was a funny <laughs> visual. Yeah. Clever little edit or whatever. Uh-huh. And uh, lastly, that for me at least, Leto's looking at a poster of himself and the visual uh, way that they tell us that he feels like they're pushing him out is that he's fading into the background of posters. Like he's no longer yeah. front and center. He's in the back. I was like, mm-hmm. that's really, that's subtle for once. Mm-hmm. Sensei, it's subtle. <laughs> um, let's see what else. I love that Whisper's wife was horny for him. Yeah. That was cool. It's goofy. Like, ooh, what you're gonna do to me later? Take your pills so we can go to Bone Town or whatever. Uh, that was fun. I like that. It's like, do you mean take your pills like your like Viagra? But it's like, no, take your stop hearing the voices in your head pills. <laughs> yeah. So I like that. There's a moment where Will. He's like on the ground. He's in Whisper's head or something, not doing super well. And everybody's like, no, he's he's sick. And then the camera stays on Sun for too long after she says his chi is very weak. And it's like, mm-hmm. hmm. Oi. Did we have to do that? <laughs> is that- we have to make our uh, Korean character reference like... That's is chi a Japanese concept or Chinese concept? The fact that I don't even know is right. what. That's a moment where I would say, "Huh, I shouldn't write this this scene." But instead, they were like, "No, it's probably fine." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like Wolfgang and Son meeting at a tiger cage. I don't remember what they talked about, but what a great setting for the two of them to have their conversation. Amazing. Um, it they're basically talking yeah. about how they both feel like they're caged for different reasons because oh, Wolfgang sure. is like working for different people. And doesn't have control of his life, and son is in jail. Makes sense. Like, oh, we're all in our own cages. But yeah, that's it. Uh, I love it. I really do. Um, And I also would love to talk about the second episode we watched this week with you. Right after this brief musical break, we will be back to discuss obligate mutualisms. Welcome back to Chats 8. The second episode we watched this week was Season 2, Episode 3 of Sense8, entitled Obligate Mutualisms. It was written by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski, and directed by Lana Wachowski. It aired on May 5th, 2017, with the rest of Season 2. Alan, what happened in Obligate Mutualisms? In this episode, the Sensates make contact with a key figure in BPO. Ripped from her prison cell, Sun sends out a plea for help. And Wolfgang meets an intriguing stranger. It's a fun little dude. Uh, <laughs> uh, so kind of interesting. Weird episode. What did you think of it, Meg? Um, I really liked it um, because I really like Sense8. I think it's a very oh. entertaining show. I enjoy watching it. It has incredible action and really compelling visual sequences and even the lore stuff was kind of like, okay, yeah, that's interesting. And they're introducing some new plot threads. And I'm like, okay, yeah, all right, why, why not go this direction? Let's see what you do with it. So I think some of the evaluation of this episode is going to kind of come out in the wash a little bit. I don't even know if that's the right way to use that idiom, but it's going to, we're going to see how we feel about it once these plots go places. 
But this whole episode was me nodding along saying, yeah, all right. Yeah, okay. What, Keep going. What if, what if you did that? What if that happened? What, 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 what would you do next? Oh. Okay. Hmm. Oh, I want to get a sensei blowjob from another cluster. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Slob on my knob. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. God, what a the, what the return about, of horny sensei. Yeah, I I I enjoy that a lot. Um, I think scene Hor- to horny scene. Horny sensei. Sorry. Good. What did you say? I said horny sensei. You said I enjoyed that a lot. I said horny sensei. Yes. Oh, I enjoyed that okay. a lot. Uh, okay. yes. The a scene to scene. I either, I either was like, yeah, this rules, or like, all right, that was fine. That was not offensive to me. I, I'm just like waiting for the shoe to drop. And I think the truth is that sensei season two. Isn't necessarily worse, at least so far, but uh, uh-huh. it was just a weird time for ratings. Like the ratings dropped, and maybe it's just got too expensive. I think that's likely the uh-huh. real reason it got canceled. Um, but I'm um, yeah, fun. This is cool. Okay, this is a show where I think if this went like seven seasons, I would be like, oh, we're gonna about to get fucking stupid. Like we're gonna get <laughs> fifty different clusters, and they all battle each other in a mind war. That would be awesome. Be- yeah, hold on, <laughs> hold on, I'll verify. <laughs> Lily, Lana, show. JMS, I p- paused the Babylon 5 reboot. Every single person on Discord just left. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, yeah, and like most importantly, what's good is it's fun. They keep the sensates having fun with each yeah. other. The yeah, cluster starts the episode all hanging out, drinking together while Will interrogates Whispers, and they're like, yeah, you get him. Yeah, you get that guy. Like they're just they're just yeah. buddies now. That's nice. Um, it's super nice. And they're all like sharing a cute moment in Amsterdam. Uh, we're singing along in our sleep. It's a very like saccharine intro to the episode, uh, mm-hmm. as it kind of like segues into reality. Um, cause like Sun is like, yeah, singing the song in her sleep. And then Lito is like going into the, the work day. Like, oh, I'm happy as hell. I'm having a great day. Hello, my boss and my assistant. Uh, and they're like, yeah, Lito, um, studios are pulling offers for you right now. Uh, yeah. And I I love the way that they justify this, right? Because they're like, it's not, they never mentioned the gayness. They never mentioned that part. But they're like, yeah, we all kind of know why, Lito. But we're not going to tell you mm. we're mad about it. But it is doing demonstrably bad things for your career. Mm-hmm. But because he's the star, they're like, I mean, hey, we always say no to all these scripts and now we can finally take them on because you're not busy anymore. And you can immediately (laughs) tell that these are like the shittiest scripts he's ever seen in his life. Right. Um, I feel like Lito's plot, no matter how much conflict they add to it, is like never sad. Like, oh, no, the the successful actor in Mexico City, like, has to find an apartment or like, oh, no, he's not getting as many roles. Now he only gets like 15 (laughs) roles. Right. Yeah, the, sad. Thing that, the thing that was kind of odd about it is how like how oblivious Leto seemed to be to what the what was happening because yeah. his agents are like, ah, that script. And he was like, wait a minute, you said you liked that script. And he's <laughs> kind of just like falling for the, the agent talk a little mm-hmm. bit. Um which doesn't seem quite right, but Hey, you know, and then, yeah, we have this scene where he, Hernando and Danny are looking at an apartment and there's this brief moment where Hernando and Lido have to consider maybe we don't have money. And then Danny's like, you guys, I have the solution 
to the problem that we just presented. And they're like, yay, woo, let's live together and take a big bath, which, hey, awesome. Yes. Yes. Can't wait. Please keep them happy. But like, don't pretend like you're going to give them money trouble <laughs> only for the third character character to knock on the door and say, I've got some money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, because she basically uh, so. says, "If I if I live with you guys, like it's kind of opportunistic, but it's funny because she's their friend and, and is a nice person mostly." Uh, yeah. So she's like, "If I stop paying rent and I pay you guys, we will collectively have enough to pay for this big ass apartment that we normally wouldn't mm-hmm. afford." And mm-hmm. like, these are such fake famous people problems to me that I can't. I'm like losing the empathy. Like I think Leto like trying to feel his public identity out in the like on. In the yeah, tablet that's compelling stuff. to me. Yeah. Super compelling. But like him being like, oh, no, I don't have as much money. It's like, you're fine. You're probably really fine, <laughs> actually. Right. Um, But yeah, they, they seem like they can't afford it, but it's probably going to be fine. I need to see that hot tub scene, not for horny reasons, but it just seems fun. Uh, Just a fun, you know, gay shower, gay bath. I don't know. <laughs> you sure that's not for horny reasons? <laughs> <laughs> the question that was in my head. Yeah, I could hear it. Um. There's a bunch of other stuff, but we can save the Will stuff for last because it continues to be big. Uh, I'm yeah. dying to talk about uh, what's going on with Wolfgang and Felix. All of it, top to bottom. Can we just chomp into sure. this? Sure. Why not? What a great place to start. It's pr- it's very self-contained, thankfully. Um, and the guy uh-huh. that was in the uh-huh. club who was like, do you guys want a nightclub? And they're like, what is this, GTA 5? They just give us a nightclub? And he's like, yeah, here's a nightclub. Um, mm-hmm. They walk into the that guy's... The, yeah, the King of the North walks them into his apartment. He's watching, I think this is the World Cup, because uh, we're watching the World Cup's happening right now when we're recording this, uh, yeah. and he's talking about Lewandowski, who is the player, one of the players for Poland, but he's also oh, just okay. a soccer player, so maybe he's not, I think he's, it's 2017, though, but if it's 2016, I don't know what years the World Cup happened, uh, if not it was World 2016. Cup. It probably yeah. was just a soccer game. Like no, Euro, 20, 2016 Euro was a World Cup. That was Japan. It was? Oh, yeah. we skipped the World Cup in 2020 because it was 2020? I think and that's exactly two years? it was. Yeah, well, yeah, it's also deleterious because Qatar, weather, controversy, all that stuff. So, yes, I think it was Okay. U- UAE 17, UAE 18, Qatar 19, Qatar 20. Interesting. Well, there was a World Cup in 2016. He's probably watching that. Uh, and... He's talking about Poland. He seems really suspicious. And uh, you're like, okay, what do you... He's like, I'll tell you. I'm definitely going to tell you what I want you to do with my club. But first, meet my extraordinary right hand. And I really wanted them to pan over to his hand. (laughs) (laughs) So when they panned over to like a sexy pair of like silver high heels and then there was a woman attached to them, I was like, oh, okay. Another hot woman. (laughs) Boring. Where's Where's the hand? Bring me and then to make hand. it worse, she was talking later about how she's, like she's a hand. better than a hand. <laughs> it's like, like come hand. on. Good catch, Where's dude. the hand? I want to see that hand. Her name is <laughs> Lila Facchini, uh, okay. which is sexy. She's Neapolitan. Felix goes, Italian? And she goes, Neapolitan. Because people from Napoli don't like it when you say that they're from Italy, I guess. Uh, and we learn... Very quickly, then Lila is a sensate. 
They have other uh-huh. sensates in other clusters. And hey, guys, what would you do if you found someone in another sensate cluster? Would you talk to them and be like, hey, what's going on? Or would you immediately fuck them in <laughs> while talking to other people? If the answer is B, then you might be Lila Fakini. Uh, because uh, she goes be straight. Sensei. She immediately <laughs> Wolfgang in front of everybody. And it's sorry. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I wrote that in my I notes and I debated it for 15 minutes. I can't allow you to say whatever you just said. I might, I might bleep that on the podcast to make <laughs> to confuse people. Um, I'm going to give you another shot at it. She can, she proceeds to fillet Wolfgang. Uh, yeah. And, it's like really uncomfortable. She's like wearing lingerie under her outfit. Like, what is this outfit, Lila? I don't even know, dude. Uh, and she's uh. just like, hey, have you ever done this with someone else? It's kind of hot. I'm a sense eight too. I'm mm-hmm. sure this is going to go badly. And I'm sure that's the plot of this. Not this bull. Like it, it reaches a point where the guy is talking to um, Felix and Wolfgang and being like, you know, he like, if you just listen to what he's saying, he has that line that's like, capital exists behind the auspices of morals, ethics, and laws. And it's like, wait, 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 what? What are you talking about? And feel like- <laughs> You can't focus because you're looking around the woman who's on your yeah, lap. Yeah, like, like, hold on, stop. Sorry, wait. Were, sorry, wait, what were you saying? And then Felix is like, hey, Wolfgang, what is this guy talking about? And he's like, he's asking us to launder money. That's what it is. He's, we're laundering money. <laughs> Felix is I like, like that Felix like can't track that when he's giving his undivided attention. And Wolfgang is very distracted and is like, nah, it, it's, it's an international money laundering scheme. That's what things. Yeah. Of course, you don't give anybody a club. It's because he thinks they can defend it and he might make them the fall guys. I know how this works. I've seen this movie before. Right, right, right. I wrote in my notes, this brings new meaning to the term fucking her with your eyes. You know how people say yes. like your eye yep. fucking someone? He's literally doing that. Yep. Oh, yeah. It's just for nasty ass freaks. And I'm one of them. And I love it. <laughs> Fucked up little freaks right here, baby. That's us. That's us at chat. Say, I'm home alone. My roommate's not home and I can yell swear words. <laughs> um, yeah, Lila seems like she's going to be a problem, though. Like, she's like, pretty and whatever, but. Yeah, this is dangerous. This is a dangerous situation. We have ourselves a new. It's, you know, we had to replace whispers with like a less sexy whispers. And so here we are. Yeah, it doesn't even come close to matching, but you know, close enough. No. Close enough. You tried. Yeah, I get. I get what you're going for. <sighs> Thank you for indulging with that. <laughs> no problem. Whole Is there thing. anything else that happens in this plot? No. We just introduce Lila, and also none of the other sensates are aware of her yet. At least they don't talk about Wolfgang. it. Yeah. Um, but now that they've made eye contact, she could just hang out with him whenever, right? That's how this works. I think so. And now I'm imagining, by the way, how funny it would be if that's happening to him and you cut over and Nomi's like, whoa. And then Nicole's like, what? And like, they're all like watching themselves get filleted. They're like, I don't know how I feel about this. Uh, The only version of somebody knowing intimately what's up with Wolfgang is that Kala brings her parents to her house and they're like, wow, a pool. And we, the viewer, know that she got a pool so she can see Wolfgang be naked in the pool. (laughs) Wait, did she say that? No, I'm saying that. That's the textual. Oh, you're saying that. You're saying that. Uh, she just gets a cool pool because she's rich now and married. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Um, there's some sun stuff. Ming Jung, her friend and like, older woman in, in the uh, the place, is around and telling her to be careful. And mm-hmm. uh, we get this really exciting action sequence towards the middle of the episode where 
uh, some officers who seem to be from the prison um, escort her out of her, her cell. And she's like, that's weird. And uh, Will inside of her head quickly says, like, nope, that's those aren't they don't work for the prison. They're going to kill you. Um, intense. Speaking of the season being more violent, intense action scene uh, where the guys are attempting to shoot and then literally hang uh, and tase and then hang Sun uh, by a rope. And all of the sensates are feeling this. So, like, Caffius driving is shaking from the taser. And like Nomi's gonna pass out at her desk from it, and it's pretty pretty heavy actually. Uh, I don't want to feel what it's like to get hanged via someone else. That's not a sensation I am excited to get actually. Um, but it happens really fast, and they manage to get her out of it using the power of sensate magic, I guess, um, and kung fu. <laughs> Sorry, that's me. Uh, and also arts. her friend coming to save her. Yes, yeah, I mean Jung is the one who saves the day. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, hey, we need to go. Let's, I guess I'll stay behind because I'm an old lady. She has that awesome line where she's like, the only thing they can do to me is add years to my sentence. And that doesn't scare me anymore. So I don't, they can't do anything to me. Yeah. Like some, awesome. on some like Nelson Mandela shit. Like <laughs> all they can do. In this whole, this whole sequence, she's so fucking metal. It's awesome. She has become like the coolest side character. For sure. All the, the women in the prison were cool, but she like climbs over the rest and, you know, makes points about like, oh, your husband doesn't yeah. kill you. From the second she impales that dude, it's yeah. like, fuck yeah, all right, let's go. So Min Jung takes them to her friend's apartment. Uh, her and her friend share like a nice emotional hug. I love that this woman is at no point in this that we see is like, huh, I have two convicted criminals in my house. Eh, whatever. How are you? Let's get tea. Let's have food together. Let's talk. Because like that's solidarity, baby. That's 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 like what happens uh in some corners of the real world is you can be accepted by the people who still love you even if it seems like you've done some bad stuff in your past before um so i i this was all very nice you know she gets out i'm happy to see sun out of prison also we finally did it it took us a season and three episodes yeah or whatever. yeah but she's safe and she's she's good here now thank god mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um everybody else is fine uh although uh, the build up to her doing that is that Nomi and Neats are shaving their legs, ready to go to flower and water. Um, I just want to mention this because this is another real San Francisco restaurant. Uh, it's like a creative thought. One of those like Italian handcrafted places. Mm-hmm. I think I walked by it. I remember seeing the mm. name flower and water. But I didn't go inside. It seems very pricey. And it made mm. me sad, dude, because like every time you want to go on a date or you want to like sleep. Or you want, you're like having an intimate moment. You can just mm-hmm. turn to your left and, oh, somebody from across the universe, across the, the world is like, hey, I need you right now. It's yeah. kind of like you're on call all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they don't like really treat it as that sad. They're just like, oh, Nomi has to do this. This is her job, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And Amanita seems like really eager to be a part of it, but you you got to wonder if like, that's going to put strain on their relationship at some point, or if we're going to explore that, I don't know, Yeah, but it'd be interesting. Are, is Nomi just not on the run anymore? Why could we just go to dinner like normal? Well, remember she deleted her like wanted profile with Will's police credentials. When was that though? Like late season one. Weren't I mean, I'm sure she's done more bad stuff. Following since her even after that point. I think those were BPO people. Okay. Okay. You know, like, 
the only it seems like for some reason the only person BPO now wants now is Riley. I'm not exactly clear why, but that's the one that they're like. That's why Will needs to protect her. Um, but I don't know the extent to huh. which they're on the run and they can't be seen because obviously Lita's not on the run in any way. Right. So okay. nobody's nobody's functionally fine. Like fine to be in the real the like public world now. I see. Uh yeah, so that prison sequence is really fun. I my my last big note on the prison sequence was uh, I wrote in my notes. All right, prison break time, baby. And then Leto immediately goes jailbreak, baby. And I was like, Leto, you can't <laughs> j- just say what I wrote. That's not fair. <laughs> uh, when they're leaving, they see a bus. By the way, and Caffius goes, "Ooh, a bus! I know how to ride that." <laughs> like, like how are we gonna get? Oh, there's per- one bus parked in the parking lot. How good. This whole sequence was really, I mean, you telling me that they used cowboy switches makes so much sense because I've been crediting them for like really precisely storyboarding things, but mm-hmm. uh, the cowboy switches, it feels like a much more sustainable way to do this kind of thing, um, especially because in this sequence, there are all of these like really blink and you miss it swaps between the sensates. Yeah. Like when... They're hot wiring the the van or whatever. The hands go from Sun's hands to Caffius's hands, and it almost looks like a magic trick. You're like, "Whoa, wait, mm-hmm. hold on, that's somebody else's hands." Or like Sun ducks her head into the car window and ducks it back out, and now it's Lido's face, and you're like, "Oh my god, wow, that was startling." Um, it's just a really seamless cool sequence i mean we're kind of rehashing like when we broke into the bpo facility but it's uh it's still fun to watch the sense no, like that the bpo facility was like the template for this season like if we can just keep doing that i'm into it yeah you know? me too me too it's a way to do action scenes that only this show can really do and i i have a lot of fun with that concept mm-hmm. So that covers the prison break stuff that covers lila that covers Lido and hernando and all of that um, I guess now we have to talk about Will. <laughs> so a lot happens. Yeah. Uh, I think this starts with, I mean, obviously, uh, there was like the whole thing with, with Whispers last time. And now we know that he has a boss. Uh, what, his boss's name is Mr. Kroom, which is just a really uh-huh. good boss name, Kroom. Uh-huh. And Jonas takes Will to a train station where he met his dad. Yeah, well, basically, the first part is that in this episode, Whispers is trying to interrogate Will, and Will gets Whispers in trouble with his boss, essentially, <laughs> so uh, good. which is awesome. And then, like, Nomi hacks into the boss's phone or gets his phone number and texts him or something. Um, yeah. So we're, like, going around Whispers, getting him in trouble, getting him uh, locked up for a little bit so we're free of him, and... Now we're working directly with the BPO boss guy, arranging a meetup. And then, yeah, the terms of the meetup are, one, we want a face-to-face meeting with Mr. Bossman. And two, we want you to give us access to Jonas for like an hour. Yeah. Um, And so they do that. Jonas tells Will, go to this train station, like you said, which is where Jonas met his psychic uh, psychic daddy. Mm Mm-hmm. Who had already, who had, or was like about to die. And he's like, what's going on here? You're my father. 
And you're like, wait, literally Jonas's dad? And he turns out it's actually his cluster dad. And beautiful, again, the cutting back and forth. Um, tells a story about how this father got to die surrounded by his wonderful children, which is like a real beautiful moment and thought to have. He says his beautiful 80 children who weren't actually there, but were 100% there. It's like, damn. And then Will just like flat out says what we're trying to understand, which is like, oh, so any gender can give birth to a cluster at any age. So like this old man uh, gave birth to the entire 80 person cluster that constitutes Jonas, Angelica and 78 other individuals, um, which is just fascinating. And this is exactly like when I said last time, I want like the Jonas and Angelica comic or whatever about their cluster. Like we kind of got a little slice of that here. Um, it's sad because we know that BPO killed the majority of Jonas's cluster. He's one. Of, he's like the last one alive. But we even, we finally get to see Daryl Hannah actually acting in a meaningful way here um, as Angelica. She she like meets Jonas and she's like recording nature sounds in the forest. And instead of being afraid of the sense eightness, she's like, this is awesome. I'm going to kiss you. I think you're beautiful. This is like so intimate and wonderful. Uh, and we get a brief little moment of this guy in their cluster named Todd, who I was fascinated by the choice to include Todd here. Uh, so this, just to be clear, Todd is in, like, Jonas and Angelica, or just Angelica, birth, the, this, this is Angelica's first cluster she's birthing, and Todd is one of her children. Oh, they were in an 80-person cluster. He's in Angelica's probably smaller. They were, I'm verifying this on the Sensate Wiki and not spoiling something for myself. Um, their, Angelica and Jonas were in a cluster together of six. And their cluster was one of many clusters fathered oh. by the guy, the father guy. Okay. He fathered a sense. total of 80 sensate children amongst many different clusters. Yeah. 80, an 80 person cluster would be un, untenable. Yeah. Okay. Um, so then sense. Angelica has a cluster that includes a few people, um, including this guy, Taj. And how do they... Tell us about Todd and how they portray Todd. So Todd's walking through the woods with everybody else. Everyone else is like, wow, this is so beautiful. Jonas says that Angelica could literally was so happy. It looked like she could float away. And we pan over to Todd and he's the one member of the cluster who's miserable. And mm -hmm. it's so subtle, but he pulls out a cross. He pulls mm -hmm. out a, a, showing that he's religious. And once again, re like reanalyzing what, what does it be, mean to be a sensei, that it's something you feel sickened by you feel confused and you feel broken like the x-men metaphor like the queerness metaphor uh that's like so obvious here he says maybe someone yeah. out there can fix us and angelica's like no we're not like sick we're humans and he says oh we're not human it doesn't make sense uh it's all like it's you know played very low it's very quiet but like this is crucial mm -hmm. this is mm -hmm. a character the first character we've ever seen who saw being a sensei and was like Oh God, fuck this. I'm broken. I hate that I'm having these feelings, which is like, sadly, really close to some people's experience with like queerness, you know, the way that they stay closeted mm -hmm. their whole lives and feel yeah. afraid and grossed out by it. So really interesting yeah. that they decided to include a character like Todd uh, in all of this. Mm -hmm. um, it actually parallel. Sorry, you were going to say something. No, I just think that's that's a, a good point that his inclusion is like deepening the allegory of being a sensate to being queer 
Um, and I, it's also got me thinking about the idea that we learned in the first episode that sensates predate Homo sapiens and like that also being part of the queer allegory of like, you know, it's not as if queerness is like a modern invention. It's like a return to a like form of human gender identity and expression and sexuality that like kind of predates more modern labels or categorizations or, you know, I think that's another thing to add on to that, like sensate as queer identity uh, thing. And crucially, he didn't choose this. This is the first character who doesn't seem like they would have chosen this if they had the option. I think that there's a big like anti-queer concept, this, this idea of like, you chose you chose it because it seemed you know cool or interesting. You made that your personality. It's like why would mm -hmm. I ever? This is like the I don't remember who said this originally, but the quote was something along the lines of like, why would I have ever chosen to make my life harder like this? You know, mm -hmm. I feel mm -hmm. it because it's real to me. Me, Alan, when my therapist asked me many years ago, how do you know? It's not like I did something and I figured it out. It's not like I uh, was converted. I just over time made some connections that made a lot of sense to me. And mm -hmm. then I said, okay, I think there are labels for this. It's not a good thing. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, just to like, for people who have listened to Soren to the podcast, I can feel like I can be a little personal here. Uh, even recently, I've had moments where I'm like, it's not connecting me to that many people. I almost feel like I'm in a cluster of like three people that I don't know. And they all mm -hmm. live across the country and everyone mm -hmm. else I'm actually further distanced from. It's like, mm -hmm. I'm not surrounded by like queer people in my real life community and that can often feel really isolating. It's not something I tell everybody at work or amongst my friend groups. And, and right. I'm sure if I told more people, I would be pushed out of my friend, some of my friend groups. And like that has like really fucking like made me sad, you know? And so yeah. I, I've, I know people and I've even been similar to Todd before, not to say that I've like wished I wasn't queer, but like, just that feeling that like, Oh, this wasn't actually the miracle that I thought it would be. Yeah. I'm connected to people. Right but I'm also so much further from everyone else. Like I totally get that aspect of it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And there's something universal too about it, right? Like you, sometimes you, you learn too much about something or you become like too politically conscious and the rest of the world suddenly feels much more distance. The Delta has increased between you and your mm. average man. And that's like really isolating and scary, whether it's right. a religion or, or like, yeah, in, in Todd's case, religion. So mm. Mm -hmm. A brief moment, but big shout outs to Todd and for the writers to include this character. Not big yeah. shout outs to Todd, but like <laughs> the, the concept, the storyline of this character, brief yeah. as it is. For yeah, I'm interested to see where they take it um, because it, the implication I got is that maybe Todd is like the reason that they ended up being in danger. Like maybe he sought out some kind of quote unquote help and mm -hmm. that turned out to be like a dangerous BPO. thing. BPO. So it's we'll it's great. It goes. It's great too that they then cut to Min Jung's friend who says the line, "Life is a big trap made of little traps." And sometimes, if you <laughs> listen hard, yeah. you can hear them snap shut, and you're like, "Damn bars, bars." Yeah, yeah. Um, because yeah, it's all it's all it's like a weirdly written line, but like yeah, sometimes you you find the traps within other traps, and that's kind of scary. Right. And we're we're not not paying attention to them all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh. Anyways, the last major reveal is that BPO 
wasn't always the like twisted fucked up organization that it is um uh-huh. because will is in croom's head now that whisper is seemingly out of the picture and they're looking at a beautiful room well, he's, he's meeting with him in person wait yes no you're right because he sees that yeah, crooms right. is not a sensate i think he's right just a guy. he's just a guy okay that makes just, much more sense yeah. They're meaning to talk him over Rembrandt painting. And he gives us this like backstory for BPO. Like, oh, there was a woman named Ruth El Sadawi. And she started it because she believed in obligate mutualisms, which is, mm-hmm. uh, can we define that term again since it's the title of the episode? Uh, it's essentially organisms that like need one another to survive, basically. Okay. Yeah. She believed in, in organisms that need each other to survive. And you're like, okay. And believe so- that, that Homo sapiens and Homo sensorium were that. Like you can't have. One without the other. Yeah. Yeah, we exist because of yeah, and there's something thematically about that that's really interesting. Uh, and then here's where it gets interesting: is you're like, okay, so you put two and two together. It sounds like BPO used to be pretty cool, and Grooms is like, yeah, it was, and then it got corrupted at some point. And Will goes, okay, well, what what did it? You know, what changed BPO? And he goes, <laughs> same thing that happens to everything else. Nine eleven. Whoa, sense eight. Yeah. Huh? I crossed off my chat show bingo card when that line happened. Whenever uh, someone like, goes, you know, nine yeah. eleven. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't even be at least our third or fourth show. At least, at yeah. least, because don't forget Farscape. I yep. mean, not to spoil anything else about Farscape, but there is an episode where they're like, "Hey, nine eleven and you're like, "Really? In this show, we're gonna do that." In this funny sci-fi show, the pilots? Yes. Very interesting. You got the newsroom probably talks about it. I mean, of yep. course, uh, Studio 60 on Sunset Strip. Oh, yeah. Basically, of any show that deals drive. with American identity. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so. They don't explain it. I love that they don't say more about that. They're just like, yeah, we all know 9-11 messed up morality for people. <laughs> like, Well, they huh? do explain it because he says that, like, after 9-11, suddenly sensates are like a pretty big risk to security, uh, to two things, to like security and sovereignty, which I think is a really interesting Ooh. Um, thematic, another thematic angle of like the sensate experience. It's not just that they are telepathic with each other, but they are like a community of people that transcends any sort of national boundary um they're from all over the world they're speaking different languages in each other's heads and so like what even is nationalism what is empire (laughs) what is sovereignty of or borders when like in your brain you are connected across the world to seven different people with vastly different lived experiences and um the ways in which like that kind of empathy is a threat to the sort of powers that that um, countries wanted to like get a hold of post 9-11. I think that's a really interesting... It, it's a cheesy moment. Oh, yeah. 9-11 happened. But thematically, I think it... I was like, oh, shit. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I'm, I'm the guy from the sickos tweet, the like, haha, yes, that the guy in the comic. Um, because yeah, everything you just said, I'm like smiling and nodding. Like, yes, we're critiquing Empire. And yes, like... Empire doesn't want people connecting across borders in time because then we realize that those things aren't real. And the right. barriers that we made for ourselves, whether they be literal borders, borders of gender and sexuality, borders of race and culture, 
can all be broken down effortlessly if you just listen and talk to each other across those things. And right. uh, that doesn't work. That uh, that circle doesn't square. So uh, mm-hmm. the show could go so much deeper on this. And if this was the whole show, I'm fucking fed. I'm so fed right now, dude. This is amazing. <laughs> I'm full. That's a Thanksgiving feast of themes. Yeah, I did not expect this to be one of the side dishes at this feast, but I'm much like a, a green bean casserole. Mm. Now I don't know how the meal could be complete without it. Without yeah. it, yeah, yeah. So uh, he gives Will Milton, aka Whispers, blockers as a downplate payment, and says, "All right, we got some plans for you, Will. We're gonna we're gonna do some good stuff. We're gonna get BPO back together, which I'm sure this is gonna go fine." Oops, two seconds later. Uh, Whispers has sensated into uh, a young woman in the museum and stabbed Coombs in the throat five times and then makes herself stab herself. Oof. Yeah. Uh, Whoops. Whispers is still around. Yeah. Really scary. And I think, um, you know, we knew that Whispers could do this with somebody who was in a coma. I guess the implication is that, like, you're saying this was just a person who was at the museum. Who he like jumps into? Maybe it was somebody in a coma, and I missed something, but it seemed random. Yeah, because I feel like in the first episode, what we were setting up with his demonstration for all the higher ups at BPO is like, I can sensate control somebody's actions mm-hmm. when I'm hooked up to my machine or whatever. Because Will like experiences that through whispers. Um, and that's what's happening here. So I think that's probably what is going on is whispers just can like take over somebody's body, which is scary. We need a limit on that though, because otherwise you can just do that to anyone at any time. Kind of scary. Yeah, I guess they'll explain more the like rules of it, but mm-hmm. um what but it like a great I mean, on the one hand it's sort of like, uh, okay, I guess whispers is the bad guy again. But on the other hand, it's like what a great thing to kind of wipe him off the table and say like yeah don't worry about whispers we're cool we're doing a whole new thing and then he comes back and he says ah i'm the bad guy i'm even scarier than i was before Uh, i kind of i'm kind of into it me too since they season two you might have it going on i'm happy for you this is great yeah you're making a lot of choices and i gotta say i think i'm cool with all of them so far yeah, everything that I came into these episodes cautious about, they've like at least attempted to deal with. So yeah. who could say? Maybe we'll come back next week and be like, oh, God, oh, God, I'm so sorry. We said nice things. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't know. I have not even read reviews of Sensei Season 2, so I'm not influenced by anything. I, sp- I spoiled one thing for myself that's is awesome. It's awesome? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Yeah. I think it's going to happen soon. Okay. Um, yeah, it's it's I if I'm I think I'll tell you when it comes up. I think gotcha. it's going to be awesome. Den of Geek Sensei 2 season 2 loses some of its effectiveness with more humor and an interesting ending. Okay. 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 Ready for an interesting ending. Oh, other thing by the way, I mentioned the Sensei uh making of documentary on Netflix. I do recommend Meh. it. Just Meh. be aware that documentary came out before Lily came out as trans. So there's um Okay. You get to see her pre-transition using her dead name. So, I mean, whatever. It's just be aware. It came out in 2016. So, mm-hmm. but neither here nor there. I just was like thinking about 
identity and like hear people coming out and when they did right. that but yeah it's there right anywho it's guys sensei season two we're on we're on the right track wait i have so, some straight notes did you have give me them notes? no i don't have any straight notes on this one um okay let's see do 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 the way that bug says <laughs> you look hot you look like, hot yep kind of fun i I did not expect us to do this much bug, and I don't hate it. I I don't I don't hate it at all. He's just useful so far. Like, yeah, he can just sit around and like look the way he does and say the stuff he says, and you're like, yeah, okay, That's yeah, fun. So far, so good with bug. Um, yeah, lots of cool visual stuff. Um, I like. Will and Wolfgang pacing around the car lot to figure out where to go. And just this like tension, but camaraderie between them where like Will's the cop and Wolfgang is the organized criminal. And they both have like this overlap and knowledge sets that lets them have a, a shop talking conversation about what, how to do the illegal thing they're trying to do. Uh Um, It did make me think about, you know, they could have made Will much more of a wet blanket, like, we can't do this, it's illegal kind of guy. Um, or like, we're breaking the law, and he just isn't that, which is cool. I, I think that would have sucked. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just interesting that they that they didn't make him more of a kind of lawful good sort of guy. Um... <laughs> Did you know that season, the series finale of Sensei didn't air with the rest of the show? It came out even later? Yeah, didn't fans lobby for it or something? I think so. Oh, it's a two and a half hour. All right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'll stop reading. Yeah. Um, when Jonas talks about all of the kids of his sensate dad being there, he says it felt fucking biblical. Biblical. <laughs> <laughs> can I, just I say? Like, can I just say about yeah. that? Yeah. I love Naveen Andrews so much. Uh. And I love Lost so much that it hurts. And when I so I watched a commercial on Hulu recently that used the song uh, "Make Your Own Kind of Music" by Mama Cass. Beautiful mm-hmm. song, love it. Uh, it's used in one of my favorite scenes in Lost. And every time I see the commercial, I think about his character. I think about Lost, and I'm like, oh god damn it! I might need to do a rewatch on my own at some point if mm-hmm. we don't watch together soon. Mm-hmm. Who knows? Sorry, I mean, Please. maybe it's the next chapter. Figure out next season. We have to talk about it. Um, and then I like this is just me being the the rules guy that I am sometimes, the translator microbes guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how carefully they're being attentive to the fact that only Will and Nomi can talk to Jonas. Everybody else who tries to talk to him, Will is intermediate is the intermediary between them. Because they haven't seen Jonas, but no, oh, physically have. have seen him. Oh, uh, or he's seen them and visited them. So in that scene, he's responding directly whenever Nomi or Will says something. But like when Kala asks a question, Will has to relay it for her. Um, and you know, I just like that they're paying attention to that stuff. It makes me gives me confidence that they'll continue to answer questions and like be consistent with their their rules right the show knows its own rules and that's the line that's the scene too right where kala is like uh they're like can you stop asking questions can you just ask the important ones and she goes i am 
I made a list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. <laughs> That's what I got. Fabulous. Next week on Chats 8, we are watching Season 2, Episode 4 of Sense8, Polyphony. Kala and Caffius are caught in the middle of angry protests. Leto looks into a journalist's disappearance and uncovers new info on Angelica's cluster. Yes, dude. I want more Angelica's cluster. Let's get it. I want more uh, that guy. I already forgot his name. Edmund? Sean? Uh, We're also watching Season 2, Episode 5. Fear never fixed anything. Bug hits on a solution to Nomi's legal troubles. New cracks appear in Kala's perfect life. And the Sensates consider a bold change of plans. Hopefully it's a new change of curtains at uh, Leto's apartment so that people can't see them bathing together. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Having a good time. Uh, Majalan, where can people have a good time and listen to you on other podcasts? You can also listen to me on Super Smash Echoes. It's a video game podcast that I do with my friend Justin where we play Super Smash Brothers related character related games. Super Smash Echoes. What about you? I'm on another podcast called The Creature Quorum. That's our new name. We did it. We rebranded successfully because it has a little bit of alliteration to it. Uh, the Creature Quorum is a podcast where my friend Six and I uh, talk about monsters. Our favorite monsters, mainly the pocket variety and the hunted variety uh, from Pokemon and Monster Hunter video game franchises. Uh, we, as of this episode, will have just put out our episode discussing Pokemon Scarlet and Violet and our problems and the things that we also liked a lot about Scarlet and Violet. Um, as we also start to talk about the monsters that were introduced in that game and whether or not they are kissable or friendly or disgusting or not. So check out The Creature Quorum wherever you listen to podcasts. And that's that, folks. Um, it's time now for the plug zone for chats, at least. Um, John, I'll take this one if you don't mind. Sounds good. I always forget who did it last, so I'm just going to kind of keep... I think I'm the even episodes. I might be wrong. Anyways, if you have questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at chatspot at gmail.com. That's C-H-A-T-Z-P-O-D at gmail.com. We are at chatspot on Twitter while that hell site continues to exist. We have a subreddit, which is run by our community. It's our chatspot. And hey, if you like our podcast, consider giving us a review. We like to think we're a five-star podcast. Maybe you don't. But either way, we appreciate your reviews on Apple or Spotify or whatever. And if you have the financial means, please consider supporting our Patreon, which is patreon.com slash chatspod. I've been really proud of the work that we're doing over on the Chatspod Patreon lately. Mostly our, our Chats Nights episodes. We did one recently with friend of the podcast and Peaks Chats co-host Rose. Uh, that was very goofy and fun. So if you like listening to Majan and I talk about whatever we want, that's not always related to D- TV, usually food, sometimes movies, sometimes uh, other pop culture. Support us at one, three or five dollars a month on Patreon. If you support us at $5 or more, you get a thank you at the end of every main feed episode. And today, I'm here to thank our $5 plus patrons who include Arthur, Jen, Justin, Kat, Lee, Magellan's mom, Marcus, Michael, Nick, and Pat are the brothers at Infinite War, and Six, and of course, Stefan. Thank you all for supporting Chats the Television Podcast. All things chats can be found at chatspot.com. Our podcast main feed art was done by Camilla. She can be found at Camillastrator on the social media platforms. And before we take it home, our very final brief segment is called Chatsums, where Majan and I recommend you something delicious and wonderful to enjoy, think about, consume between now and next week's episode of Chats. Majan, what is your Chatsum or Chatsums for this week? Okay, so this week I have kind of a YouTube roundup of some 
people I've been watching lately. I want to re-chat some just real quick. You chat some defunct land a while ago, and I recently watched that channel's video on Disney Fast Pass and also the Disney Channel theme song. Both of those are incredible documentary features that I would highly, highly encourage people to watch. Um, I also have been watching a few like RPG, like Dungeons and Dragons and board game YouTubers that have mm-hmm. been kind of entertaining. So the first is XP to level three, who's a Dungeons and Dragons YouTuber who kind of does like funny content or opinion based stuff. Um, and I think that channel tends to be pretty entertaining. There's um, Ginny D, who is a Dungeons and Dragons YouTuber as well. She does a lot of like Dungeon Master advice um, videos that are helpful. And then uh, I've found this board gaming YouTuber guy that I have been enjoying lately called Actualol, A-C-T-U-A-L-O-L. Um and he just does board game recommendations, and his videos are pretty good. Oh. Uh, so yeah, is he British? He's a, yeah, he's British. Mm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Hmm. Shouts to the Brits. Nice dude. You're getting into that. You're falling down the tabletop rabbit hole. Next thing you know, you're going to yeah. be DMing a D and D campaign. Oh wait, sorry. He already is America. He already is. Yeah. Anyway, what about you? Oh, I also want to recommend some YouTube. You should watch that 20s Charleston dance girl, Jazzy Feet. No, <laughs> she's cool. She keeps coming up in my recommended. But my real chatsums for this week are uh, three things. Number one, shout outs to Advent Calendars. Get a little piece of chocolate with you every day of December. Love an Advent Calendar. Number two, Gabby Bell, who is a YouTuber in the same, uh, I'd say, level of popularity and success as like a Jarvis Johnson and Nick is Not Green. Um, it's that she does more of that. She does a little bit more focused on gaming and I love her aesthetic and her like, uh, script delivery style. So if you're into commentary YouTubers and you don't already watch Gabby Bell, check out her video on Pokemon Scarlet and Violet. It's pretty fun and entertaining and she has a good style. Uh, and then my big, big, not that he's better, but just like, I'm enjoying his videos a lot lately. Uh, YouTuber is Jacob Geller, G E L L E R. Uh, Jacob is a, uh, mostly video games, history and politics YouTuber. Um, he compares video games and their themes and ideas to like big concepts in psychology and politics in really interesting ways. Um, some of his videos are pretty academic sounding in parts, uh, but really creative, like editing style and production style. Um, I honestly recommend every single video on his channel. I mean, he did one about that Simpsons intro that was done by Don Hertzfeld, the one that's like weird and futuristic. He, uh, God, all of them, seriously. He did one about Sekiro's parry mechanic. And the one I watched most recently that almost made me cry is called What's the Point of Taking Apart a Body? And uh, that's a video where he talks about the history of autopsies and comparing it to a major scene in Resident Evil 8 uh, and like why autopsies are really important. And it's important, it's important to be able to like learn from dead bodies. So, some some food for thought and some YouTube stuff to add to your playlist, y'all. Uh, that's what we got. That's Jacob Geller. That's our chat sums. And that, dear listeners, is Chats, a television podcast. Thank you, dear Magellan, for being the bug to my laptop because he always smashes me when we're getting hacked. Wait. <laughs> Remember that scene where he smashes the laptop? Yeah, yeah, I do. But just don't think about any other implications of those words I said at all. 
<laughs> Unless, anyways, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Chats. Peace. <laughs>